Welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. This is the podcast designed to help you live your life enthusiastically today, tomorrow, and every other day. I am your host, Ron Kaiser. I'm a positive health psychologist and also author of the award-winning and best-selling book, Rejuvenating the Art and Science of Growing Older with Enthusiasm. My website is The Mental Health Gym. It's the source of all sorts of information regarding positive psychology, my particular brand, which is called Goal Achieving Psychology, wellness in general, rejuvenating, and all kinds of related information. It's also the place where you can recommend guests for upcoming podcasts. As longtime listeners to the podcast know, we devote most of our sessions to having interesting guests who lead their lives enthusiastically and have helpful, informative, and generally very easy suggestions that can help us to make certain changes and live our own lives in an enthusiastic, active manner and become the best version of ourselves. Today's guest is someone I'm really proud to have with us. He joins the lineup of interesting, informative guests that we've come to enjoy. Johannes Atlas is, as he describes himself, a man who is here to serve. Johannes is a national speaker, founder of the organization Speaking to the UNU, and founder of the Pressing Toward the Mark event. He was an ambassador for the Riverside, California Chamber of Commerce. Now, one of the interesting things about Johannes is that he was born with Poland syndrome, which is characterized by underdeveloped chest and arm muscles. And as a child, he rigorously hid his right hand in his pocket to avoid being teased in grade school. But over time, he recognized that his abnormality had unconsciously become his greatest strength. His work now is directed at setting free those who are dealing with emotional baggage and to end their chains that kind of limit them. And he has discovered the formula to be independent of unconscious baggage. So it's something that I'm looking forward to learning about. Johannes, it's such a pleasure to have you with us. Welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. Hey, thank you, Ron. I appreciate your time here. Really glad to be here. Well, it's our pleasure and looking forward to what you have to say. I think what I'd like to start with is to, uh, you know, baggage is one of those terms that we hear a lot about and different people have their own perceptions of what emotional baggage is. There are a million ways of defining depression, anxiety, a lot of things that we deal with in my field. Since it's so central to your work, what do you mean when you speak of baggage? When I get into baggage, you know, it's funny, I was actually, you know, really honing in on this today. But when I think of baggage, it's baggage is kind of like the things that there's a certain level of insecurity about things that we kind of feel uneasy about, or maybe there's like events that have happened in the past that have caused us to now be a certain way that have changed us. Basically, like events that have had some sort of negative influence on us. And so now we act in a certain way 
maybe because of the way we were raised or because of a specific event, just kind of things that we carry around with us that affect how we act, you know, in our everyday lives, pretty much. And can baggage be acquired at any stage of life? Or are we talking primarily about things that happen in early childhood or? Just like you said, yeah, it can happen at any stage of life because when an event occurs, when something, you know, tragic happens, we pick up the baggage because of how we then identify with that and how we identify ourselves according to that event. Because it's, you know, when something happens, it's not the event that changes us, but it's what we make that event mean about us. It's how we interpret the event to then how we identify ourselves because of the event. And so, I mean, you know, events, you know, happen, you know, all throughout our life. But then, like I said, it just depends on how we then identify with ourselves because of, depending on, you know, what the event was. Seems like it's kind of the way different people will kind of incorporate. I don't mean to put it at the same level, but we'll incorporate, say, the weather. You know, you can have the same temperature. And I know you're in California, I'm in Philadelphia. Mm. So you may not be as cognizant of it, but when we go through changes of weather, like this time of the year, this is being recorded in October, you can go outside and you see people in shorts and t-shirts and some with down jackets on and mm-hmm. caps, and it's the same weather. So again, I, this may be an oversimplification, the temperature right. is the same. Does the event have to be kind of a traumatic one, or is it something that could be, you know, relatively mild to the rest of the world, but it's the way you interpret it? Exactly that. It doesn't matter, you know, how traumatic or non-traumatic or, you know, mild the event is. I'll give you me, for example. So like you're saying, in grade school, you know, because of my hand, like I said, it's called Poland syndrome, and I don't have any chest muscle on this side of my body. So in grade school, like you said, you know, I hid my hand in my pocket all the time because, you know, I didn't want people to see my, you know, in high school, you know, people want to, you know, be cool and, you know, fit in and stuff. And so because I wanted to fit in and be cool, you know, I hid my hand in my pocket. And also from, you know, just being teased and being made fun of and people saying, you know, kids just being kids. From that event, I made those things mean that I'm not enough. That's what I ended up interpreting it. And whereas, you know, people, not everybody is going to you know, obviously interpret that because when you look at the event of, you know, me being teased from somebody, nothing within that event means that I'm not enough. But it's because I then interpreted that event to mean that I'm not enough. That is then how I identify moving forward. And so there's just little subconscious behaviors that will then reflect and will show that I think that I'm not enough. Yeah, it's just how we interpret it. Okay, that's really helpful to know. And it's interesting because I think we see, or at least in my practice, I see a lot of people who you kind of wonder, you know, why they're so unhappy. It wasn't that big a deal, but it, it is a big deal to the person as they're going through it, if they're right. interpreting it as a big deal. I see that as I do, you kind of talk with your hands. So it yeah. sounds like you somehow overcame the issue of not showing the the smaller hand or hiding it. I'm wondering what there was. Was there anything that you particularly told yourself or did you get some kind of help or how did you, you know, it doesn't take a lot of imagination to assume that, hey, you, you could have continued to kind of go into a downward spiral from this as mm-hmm. opposed to really at this point, making it part of your identity. 
Right. Well, just to give the people an idea, my right hand can literally fit in the palm of my left hand, just to kind of give people an idea of the difference there. So when I had gotten out of high school, I wanted to grow and develop and I wanted to you know, get out of the habit of hiding my hand in my pocket because it, it literally just felt like a prison. And so I got involved with this finance company and it was, you know, though we taught about finance, it was more like a leadership and self-development course. And so in that, I wanted to really grow as a person. And so, you know, then I got involved with the Riverside Chamber of Commerce and, you know, business 101, you know, you look somebody in the eye and you give them a firm handshake. And so that I was literally scared to get into business because I didn't want to be reminded of the reactions and the faces that I would get when people would, you know, go shake my hand or they would, you know, tease and make fun of me and such and such. So it was just, I wanted to grow. That was the whole thing. I wanted to get out of the habit of hiding my hand and whatnot. So like you said, we're recording here in October of 2020, and it was actually back in May that I had just gotten out of a really long relationship, unfortunately. And so I wanted to grow. I felt like I was just kind of just stuck in, you know, just where I was. And I'm like, you know, I, I need to become a better person. And so I prayed and I'm like, God, open my eyes up to me beyond the limitations of my understanding. And so probably about a week or two later after, you know, praying that, you know, God had opened my eyes to those events. And when I would get made fun of, I made all of those mean that I'm not enough. And so that was the the moment that where it was, it was a defining moment for me was being able to see the moment where I had then made myself or when I had then identified with I'm not enough, I was then able to reaffirm the opposite and say, no, I am enough. Who I am as a person, I am enough. And then within saying I am enough, I had to really believe that, really believe that and feel it. And that was literally the defining moment of me being free of that mental prison of me hiding my hand in my pocket and not wanting people to see it. You know, it's crazy. So uh, a few months ago during the summer, this was actually the first time ever, like I said, because I don't have any chest muscle on the right side of my body. This is the first summer that I've ever gone to the beach and swam with my shirt off. As little as it sounds, it was just a very big breakthrough for me. Oh, good for you. It sounds like one of the, aside from all the things you can be proud of, it sounds like one of the things you can be proud of is that you're continuing to grow and change and build on, you know, increasing your self-esteem, even even though it sounds like you're doing, you know, very well already. So I, I think part the growth part of it is continuing work in progress. Oh, definitely. Definitely it is. And thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, it always, it's, it's always a work in progress. I don't think there's ever a point where we can reach and say, Hey, I've made it. I'm there. You know, it's a, you know, we wake up every day, we can keep growing every day because it's, you know, things change and, you know, there's new technology and new knowledge and everything. And so there's all, we can always keep growing. There's always a, there's always a next level. Is the feedback that you get from others different when you project more positive self-image or is it a matter that other people don't think about it as and don't see it as big a deal as as you did? And that's the thing. <laughs> other people didn't see it how I saw it because it was how I saw myself, but other people didn't see me as that. Like a lot of people would, you know, see my hand and be like, oh, whatever, you know, it's not a big deal, or they wouldn't even notice it. It was in my own mind. It was in my own thinking, though. <laughs> that was the whole thing. It was my own self-image that I had to come to terms with and, and revamp that. Honestly, I, now I, I don't know. Uh, people you know may or may not notice it, but it was more of a thing that I had to deal with in me. Yeah, in a kind of more extreme fashion, it's, it's a little bit like 
sometimes we'll deal with people who dye their hair a new color or they're guys who always wore white shirts who show up in pink or blue or green or something and they go and they're embarrassed about going out in public and some of them have the rude awakening of really realizing they're not all that important to other people. Other people aren't noticing a lot of this <laughs> stuff. I remember I um, uh, had cataract surgery a few years ago and don't need glasses anymore, which I was wearing for a few years, which I really like because I would misplace them and stuff like that. But mm. when I visited friends in Minneapolis where I had grown up, I was there like for a weekend for a reunion. Lots of people that I knew saw me. Nobody remarked about it. It was as if, uh, as if, you know, they never thought that that I wore glasses. It just seemed like, hey, this this wasn't something that bothered other people as much as it bothered me because I thought it right. made me look unnatural. So I'm wondering though, then, from a practical standpoint, are there some general principles? Let's say as somebody who's a parent of a child who may have either some kind of a limitation or maybe particularly short or somebody's particularly tall or may have you know a, a visible birthmark or things of this nature or even you know not in the physical area that somebody is not a good reader or whatever is there advice that you can give to somebody who wants to really raise a, a resilient kid and not get into, uh, I don't know if you can prevent, you know, all kinds of baggage, but at least limit the amount that affects them? Yeah. So one thing that I'm very grateful that my parents never did was bring up the fact that you're this way. So, you know, you have to be like this or, you know, they never limited me. They still, you know, push me to be just like everybody else. And they've never allowed me to limit myself. I played a number of sports growing up, played baseball, basketball, football, tennis, Muay Thai. It's never stopped me from doing anything. I've always managed to figure it out. And so I would say for a parent that has a child, don't limit your children. Allow them to, you know, live a normal life. Basically, like, allow them to figure it out. You can't baby them and, you know, oh, it's okay. You know, if they're, you know, get teased and they got made fun of or whatever and they come home crying, yeah, console them and let them know it's, it's going to be okay. But the main thing is just you can't baby them. I'll just put it like that. You can't baby them. Yeah, you allow them to just figure it out, figure it out for themselves, whatever that limitation is, like push them out there and put them in positions where they have to, you know, figure it out and, you know, be a confident person or, you know, be a stronger person or overcome that adversity. Because in doing that, it opens their eyes to the fact that, hey, you know what, this thing that I feel like is limiting me, it's really not. Because I got put in this position because I, you know, for me, because I played a number of sports what my hand did for me, it, it gave me a mentality of figure it out because that's what I had to do my whole life was figure it out. And so that's one thing I'm really grateful for. I can accomplish all these things. There's nothing limiting me but me. Yeah, it's so much depends on the mindset, which leads me to ask the question about people who may be listening who are at the other end of the age spectrum, somebody who reaches the senior years and they may have kind of worked below their aspirations because they may have felt that they wouldn't be able to achieve and didn't want to risk or didn't want to be embarrassed or they didn't pursue some kind of interest or they weren't risky enough or they didn't travel or, you know, any of a number of things. There are people in the senior years who are 
healthy enough to to make some changes. But I'm wondering, you know, is is there a point at which it's too late? Is there uh, is the stuff that we're talking about? Does it have to get implemented? You know, in the the first couple of decades of life, or is it something that older folks like me can th- benefit from too? Oh, of course. No, there's never a point of no return. It depends on the individual. So for example, like that phrase, you know, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. I personally, I hate that. I hate that phrase so much because it's not the matter of the dog, you know, you know, because he's old, he can't learn something new. It's just, he doesn't want to. And so it's, if the individual, it doesn't matter how old or young you may be, it depends on the individual if they genuinely want to, if they are genuinely willing to, if they are willing to learn, if they're willing to, you know, learn something new, get out of their comfort zone, learn something from somebody significantly younger than them, whatever the case is, there's never a point of no return. You can always, you know, learn it. You can travel the world and, you know, start a new business, whatever it is, there's never a point of no return. It doesn't matter how seasoned or you know young you may be. You can always you can always grow and do something new and, and accomplish new things. That's wonderful advice and very supportive of the the idea in my book. So I'm I'm glad to hear it. But you know I think that it's you know that a lot of people have wasted many years and there's no reason to perpetuate continuing feeling that you know, you're in self-denial or, or that you're wasting time because of, you know, the baggage that they may be carrying with them. So what is speaking to the you and you? So speaking to the you and you, that's actually the name of my organization. It's a God-given idea, actually, because when we go, for example, you know, when you go to an event, you know, for, you know, public speaking event or a self-development event, when you hear, you know, a motivational podcast and you feel pumped up and, you know, you, you go to these events and you feel super inspired and what they're doing is they're speaking to the individual on the inside of you that knows that they can accomplish all these great things. The one that has a desire to overcome and to do all the incredible things and give back and start a business and make all the money that they want to make, that individual on the inside of us that's the one, that's the individual I'm speaking to. That's the person I'm I'm pulling on. And that it's the you, that you inside of the you that you physically see is what I'm speaking to. And so that's where, you know, the idea comes from speaking to the you and you. And how do you reach people? I mean, is it through speaking engagement events or do you do things online or how do people learn about you? And how do they benefit from you? Right. So initially I started on social media. I started doing posts on social media. I was doing a Motivation Monday and then a Finance Friday. Then I started a a series called Morning Cup of Joe. Right now I'm I'm working on a YouTube series. So you can catch me on YouTube as well. It's Johannes. You spelled like Johannesburg in South Africa, last name Atlas. Mm -hmm. I'm working on a YouTube series right now to pretty much bring, because it's, you know, we don't have the know all the time to really get into the entire program but i'm going to be putting this whole program out on youtube getting into dealing with emotional baggage and freeing ourselves of that and you know becoming our true selves i also had an event before covid started first saturday in january my first public speaking event that was uh that's how that started the youtube series should be coming up in what early 2021 or what are you aiming for yeah, so I'm wanting to have it all done by the end of the year. So by, you know, beginning of next year, so I'll be on YouTube. 
Okay, and right now, what social media platforms can they catch those various things that you were talking about? Yes, so you can catch me on Instagram. It's uh, J-O underscore speaks. You can catch me on uh, Facebook, company is speaking to the U and U, LinkedIn, Johannes Atlas, YouTube, Johannes Atlas. Like I said, spelled like Johannesburg in South Africa, last name Atlas. Okay, that's great. It sounds like, you know, the stuff that you're talking about makes so much sense. It's hard to, you know, stop and think about the fact that people really hold themselves back when it's a whole lot more fun and a whole lot more productive and a whole lot less baggage producing if they allow themselves to experience those things. So, I mean, I think you've given us really, really good advice and guidance to go with. And I do think that it's really a model for the way that we should think. And also, as you indicated, a way to bring up kids. So I would really encourage people to go to your various social media sites, people who are looking for speakers when, when COVID allows speaking <laughs> to take place, or if you're thinking in terms of a virtual presentation, I think we can really get a sense of the passion that you have about what you talk about and, again, been terrific role modeling and things in terms of what you've been able to overcome. So I'm wondering, is there anything that I should have asked you but didn't or anything else that uh, you think can be helpful to in terms of general principles for somebody who's just leading their life on a day-by-day basis and wanting to not fall into you know some rut that can create baggage? Yes, I'm actually, I'm glad you asked that because there's one thing I didn't want to throw in as well. So the starting point of it all is it starts with awareness or really the desire to be aware, but it starts with awareness and being aware of your feelings and being aware of your emotions. And I'm not just talking about, you know, your when you're hanging out and you're doing your everyday thing. I mean, when you go home and you lay down at night and you're, you know, if you're by yourself at, you know, in your bed and when you're allowed, when all those thoughts are just flowing and doing their thing, those emotions and those feelings that the ones that we don't talk about, it starts with being aware of those. And as we're becoming more aware of them, or, you know, we have to take the time to ask ourselves, you know, why am I feeling like this? What's causing me to feel this way? Because I I don't like that I feel this way. So why am I feeling this way? And then, you know, one thing we have to also keep in mind is that with our emotions, these emotions, they don't have us we have these emotions. They don't have us, we have them. Mm. And so in that we can control them. You know, it may very well be a right time to be angry in a moment, but you don't have to be angry. We can still choose to be peaceful in the moment. And so in that, like I said, it's just being aware of, you know, what we're feeling and why we're feeling the way we're feeling. And if you don't want to feel that way, then choose a different emotion, choose to feel, you know, happy, choose to feel peaceful. And, and in that you have to really feel it. You don't just, oh, I want to be happy, but really feel the happiness because it all, all that, it, it comes from the inside. It's, you know, we have to deal with what's on the inside and make peace with what we're feeling and dealing with on the inside. Cause that's where, you know, life really stems from. That's really, really wonderful advice. As you were talking, I was just thinking in terms of the fact that people will kind of treat some of these emotions as conditions, you know, like anger being the equivalent of asthma or diabetes or something like that, as opposed Mm. to something where 
cognitively we can control them right to make other kinds of choices to be able to to do that i'm really glad i asked the question toward the end because uh, <laughs> that's really really uh helpful advice in addition to everything else that you told us it was quite a bonus it is a process so it's like if it doesn't happen right off the bat you know we have to be patient with ourselves you know it's like learning how to ride a bike you know you practice you keep practicing you keep practicing eventually you get it so you know just keep working at it especially you know if it's something that you know we've never done before and controlling our emotions you got to practice and you know eventually you you know it's not a struggle yeah, everybody's a work in progress. Part of that process is, is you, as a human being, you're going to make some mistakes. But if you have a goal that you're going toward, you use that mistake for some information so that you may be more likely to get it right next time. And maybe instead of being right. angry, uh, you'll be annoyed and maybe not peaceful the next time, but maybe a little less... Uh, harsh on on yourself emotionally right this has been a really really informative entertaining and enjoyable presentation johannes i'm really glad that we could spend some time together it's been enlightening for me and i'm sure for many of my listeners to be able to know that hey this is something that we probably all have to some extent there are some things we can do from a preventive standpoint to avoid repeating patterns, but there certainly are things that we can also do to remediate. And I do want to say that all of your contact information will be in the show notes so that people who may be interested in following you on social media or hopefully some who may be in the position to get a good motivational speaker in the future We'll know how to get in touch with you. So thanks again. It's been a real joy having you on the show. Thank you, Ron. I really do appreciate it. I really appreciate you reaching out and had a great time here. Always happy to serve in whatever way I can. So this has been another episode of Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser, the podcast devoted to helping you to lead your life enthusiastically. And one of the ways of leading your life with enthusiasm is to get rid of some of that emotional baggage that you're carrying with you. And Johannes Atlas provided a basic program for doing so. I trust many of you will be reaching out to him in the future to learn more. And we'll be, we'll be following your career as you move forward in the motivational speaking space and in helping a people as they move forward with their own lives in a hopefully more productive way. As we bring this episode to a close, I'd like to remind you of the website, the Mental Health Gym, and one of the things you can do on the website is make suggestions for future podcast guests. Also, we hope that you will continue to listen, to download our podcast, to rate and review them and look forward to seeing you the next time that we have another interesting and informative and enthusiastic guest on rejuvenating with dr ron kaiser so everybody stay safe take care and we'll see you next week